everybody. Thanks for joining the Successful Mind podcast. Today, David and I are going to be talking about the recession, both how to get your head around it to actually thrive during this time and also how to support your team in navigating some of the fear that's out there in the marketplace right now. Give it a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey, David, how's it going? Great. How you doing? I'm doing good. We're plugging into the new year here. We're just like trucking along. January, the the never ending the never ending month of January, according yep. to you. Yes, but that's the way that it feels for some reason. I should have changed my reframe around <laughs> yeah, that. Maybe you should plan some trips in January or something. Okay, so today I want to talk about an important topic. Um, okay. We got a question from one of our Elite Mind members that I think warrants. A podcast episode, honestly. Now you've addressed this with the group. You did a whole teaching on it. And, you know, instead of like trying to repurpose it and whatever, I thought you and I would have a conversation about it. And just transparently, you know a lot more about this than I do. So I don't know what I, what I can add to the conversation, but I can definitely ask questions. Yeah, sure. About it. So I'm just going to read, I'm going to read off my phone the question that we got from our Elite My member. Okay. And I think it's, when we answered this question, a lot of people said, yeah, I have the same question. So here we go. So she writes, it's not consistent, but I find myself slipping into the negative mindset here and there. And I've got to stay focused strong on my belief that this recession is not going to, quote, take us down, quote, and that we can actually grow through this. People are still investing and spending. I've got a team of 12, some of whom are scared. I'd like to keep this light and bright. Is there a recording or talk about recession and mindset that can help me? Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it at that and kind of let you just take it from here. Okay. Um, so I, I have been through several of these recession things now, uh, three times now in business, I guess. And that seems I, impossible seeing as how you're 35. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, being, being that young is an amazing thing. I wish everybody had the fountain of youth in their backyard that we call Lake Norman, but not everybody does. So sorry about you. No, seriously though. Um, I've been through this. So I have an interesting personal story around this that I'll tell first and then I'll go into what the details are. Perfect. So when I, uh, when I was trying to find my way in the world uh, in my youth, one of the first places that I got a job was for Metropolitan Life Insurance, and I was selling life insurance policies, and this was from 1988 to 1990. And I was actually doing relatively well in the beginning. Like, I, I was showing some promise. I was learning. I was an eager student. I, I had a great work ethic, and my income was starting to build. Now, the interesting thing about life insurance is that the real money doesn't come from first-year commissions. Specifically, it comes from renewals, right? So you have first year commissions on top of 
policy renewals and you get a percentage every year. It does taper off over a period of about seven yeah. years, but it can be substantial based on how much you're writing over what you've written last year. Like so, it could be big money. So your earning potential is pretty much unlimited. Pretty much unlimited. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and then, and then they have like, it's, it's actually a really cool place to work because there's all kinds of trips and things that you can qualify for, you know, like there's prestige, there's recognition. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool industry. And I kind of stumbled across this because I was lost. I didn't know what I was doing. My stepdad had happened to work for MetLife. He did relatively well. And he's like, why don't you give this a, give this a try? You know? So I was like, I don't know. And so I went in, I tested, I got, I got my licenses to be able to sell all different kinds of insurance. They'd wear a suit every day. You know, it was like a complete total change for me. Right. Time out. You wore a suit every day? Every day. Tie. Shirt, tie, jacket. I'm shook. You wore a suit every day. For two years. Dang. Yeah. All right. Um, So things are going well. And then all of a sudden the savings and loan crisis happens right at the end of the 80s. And what I didn't know, because I don't know that anybody knew this at the time. And if they did, I don't know that they would even have been able to teach it to you, right? Maybe, maybe people that were in the upper end of the statistical end of life insurance might have known this and, you know, been able to do something about it, but I don't even know how they would have handled it on a training level for uh, new insur- insurance salesmen coming, uh, you know, with, right in the front door. This, this savings and loan crisis is basically another recession, and the first thing is that everybody that you sold insurance to that is on a fixed income, the first thing that they're going to drop is their insurance policy, right? So inflation's going up. Uh, there was all kinds of problems that were happening, you know, in the, in the economy. And if the person was a working class person, which is who I was selling life insurance to, their income up when it went up everywhere. What's the last thing that they need? Life insurance. Right. Right. Because I was selling it to people that are in their twenties and thirties, people basically kind of starting out in life. It's more of a luxury. That's how it's actually looked for. Very few could actually even see the investment wisdom in like a whole life policy, which there is some substantial wisdom in that. Right. <laughs> so Every day I'm coming in and they're one after another policies dropping. My check's going down, 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 down. And I'm not able to keep up with first-year commission sales to offset it because we're going into this crazy savings and loan crisis. And the news makes it 100 times worse than it is because all they do is preach doom and gloom. The whole world is falling apart. You know, the moon is going to bash into earth like everybody's going to die. I think the significance of that is that that causes people to make decisions not based on what they need to be making decisions on. Right. So you've got people pulling out of of their life insurance policy who's who really are not affected by who really are not affected by the the increase. That's right. But they're being told that they will be or that that it's coming soon and right. so they're making decisions based on assumptions because that's what the the news is completely out want. of fear. Okay. Completely out of gotcha. fear. Anybody that's managing their money goes through those times okay does it cost them a little more do things get a little tighter yeah absolutely um but the people that don't manage their money well and they're really living you know hand to mouth it affects them the most you know so um so anyway this is this is happening and i'm i'm not i'm not able to continue to pay for you know i had bought a new car 
right? I was able to buy my first brand new car, you know, uh, my wife and I, not just me. And we had two kids and we moved from a, we moved from kind of a, kind of a scummy first apartment to a nicer <laughs> apartment, right? You know, let's just say what it is, you know, yeah. we're yeah, trying yeah. to climb, we're, we're climbing, you yeah. know, it's, we're, we're young, we're in our early twenties. I was like 24, uh, 20, let's see, I was 20 in 86. So that would be maybe like 22 when I started there. Now, I don't know where to go. So I end up, I end up having to go to into a laborer position because I didn't have any skills. So there was a lot that I didn't know. If I knew now, then, what I know now, then, back then, there's no way I would have ever went to a forklift because I did, I would have recognized I had the ability to sell. I would have found some, I would have found something to sell. Okay. Right. I would have gone at least that route. I did have a skill. I just didn't know I had a skill. Nobody pointed out to me that it was actually a valuable skill, which was really interesting. I have known you for forever and I didn't know it was the savings and loan crisis that caused you to end up on a forklift. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was because I didn't see my value anywhere else. And I didn't have any others because I quit high school at 17. I went in the army, yeah. right? I got my GED, but I mean, I still didn't have any skills. Mm-hmm. Um, with, the, with the exception of I could have been a cop, but I could make more money on a forklift than I could be in a police officer. Yeah. And a police officer, you had to start off working nights in bad neighborhoods. I got two little kids. Like it just didn't seem to be a fit. Yeah. And it might, I didn't have any passion to be a police officer. It was just something to do in the army, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Um, so anyway, I go on the forklift and then everybody knows the story from there. They, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. I lose everything and I have to figure out a way to, to climb back up. Now, fast forward. So if we go into, we go from say 1990 to the year 2000, we went, we go through, and so I'm just starting my business at the end of ni- 1999. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to move I- into the business. It's starting to pick up a little bit of steam and bam, 9-11 happens right? It spins us out. We're, we're now in another recession. So one of the things that I did was I started studying then because I needed to figure out how do I get through this, right? Because I had heard, I heard, well, my mentor told me, he's like, he's like, dude, you can make way more money in a recession than you can out of a recession if you know what you're doing, right. which intrigued me. Like, okay, okay so this is a mindset thing. There, there's a lot of mindset here. So I began to study and I found, one of the things that I found out that completely changed my mind about any kind of economic crisis that we go through is that we go through a recession regularly every 10 years. You can track it like you can track a time on a clock. And it's necessary. It's an actual part of the way that the capitalistic economy works. It has to reset itself at some point because we go through inflation and prices going up. It becomes out of balance. And then we need something to, we need a correction in the market to come in to balance it. And sometimes they create it on purpose. Sometimes it happens on accident. Sometimes it happens. Nobody knows how it was done. (laughs) Like that's irrelevant. The thing is, is that every 10 years, like clockwork, it happens. And as I was studying that, I also found out that we go through a major tragedy every 20 years. And when I first learned, I was like, what is this actually real? And I'm looking it up and the recession thing was hundred percent real. And then the person that was teaching me that this was going, okay, so we're at, we're at nine, this we this is when we were at 9/11 like we're 9/11 he goes go back go back 20 years what was what happened 20 years ago and we were in the we were in the cold war, cold war in the yeah. heat of the cold war mm-hmm. right which mm-hmm. i experienced 
how it affected the world much differently when I was in Europe, when I was in the army, than people knew in the United States. But we were on the edge of nuclear annihilation for a long period of time, and people didn't even realize it. You go back 20 years before that, what do we got? Vietnam. Right. 20 years before that, what do we got? World War II. Right. And then, and then in, that, in that time frame, you also have the Korean War that took place. You got some small skirmishes that took place in the 80s. There were also you know, like Grenada, the invasion of Grenada, and all the small, small skirmishes around there with Reagan. Um, you go back before that, it's World War I. And it just keeps going back every 20 years. So there, the fact that these, there were actually, a, whenever you notice a pattern or a cycle, you can make predictions. Now, you may not be able to predict everything that's going to happen or how it's going to affect you, but you, you know that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that you know that something is going to happen uh, allows you to keep your head in more of a sane place because here's the, here's the other, and many, many people now know this story also, which I didn't say. In 1932, when we went through uh, uh, the Great Depression, there were more millionaires made during that time than any other time in history up to that point. So it was like this is just this wasn't just a bad thing for the way that it affected people in the bottom of the community. It actually had a positive effect for a lot of people, right? So what you caused don't hear about that though? You don't hear about that. Right. And it, it's almost sacrilege to even say that in the face of how many people were in bread lines and lost everything. But it's the truth. And if you don't understand the flip side of it, you don't understand that actually you have a choice on how you go through this. When I started to first learn about the idea that people made, there were millionaires, many, many millionaires made during the Depression. I was thinking to myself, what's the difference there? Because I didn't know at the time when I was first learning it. And I'm thinking, so if there were people that became millionaires and there were people that lost everything, maybe even people died being on the bread line, somewhere in there has to be either knowledge, education, the ability to choose understanding something like something's going on there that's not being revealed to the average person walking down right. the street yeah so so i've been teaching people so then we had we had 2000 uh and 2001 and then we had 2008 with the housing crisis right uh which hit everybody really hard it hit our business hard about a year into that problem because the the uh, credit limits were slashed and most of the people that buy from us are using credit to be able to do that. So we had to figure out how to overcome that as a company. I had to figure out how to overcome it in, in 2001 also, which was very different than, than 08. And then now we're, we're going through it again. So, the, so here's something, a couple things to understand, just foundational that will help any person. Number one, it's a cycle. And it's a cycle that happens about every 10 years. And it coincides with a cycle that happens about every 20 years, which is some huge kind of catastrophic war or something. Or that, pandemic. That takes place, or pandemic, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So, yeah. so it, I, here's one I didn't mention. What was it? Uh, 1914 or 18? The flu pandemic, mm-hmm. right? In the, in the teens. It happened in the teens there, right? And it killed 30 million, 150 million I people. No I think idea. it was 150 million people died from the flu so in, tw- in 1918. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So these things happen on a consistent basis, which I find absolutely fascinating because where there's a pattern, there's a causation, right? So you, we could go down that road too. But the idea that people need to be aware of, number one, it's a pattern so that you can expect it to happen. That coincides with the law of rhythm, 
Yes. Right? So seven natural laws to the universe. One of them is the law of rhythm. Mm -hmm. And as everything operates in a rhythm, there's good times, bad times, there's ups, downs, there's in, outs, right? This business, all business operates by rhythm. All economies operate by a rhythm. If you understand that there's going to be great times in an economy and downtimes in an economy, understanding that gives you the ability to go, okay, how do I get through downtime? What do I do with my business? What do I do with my savings? What do I, where do I look for other opportunity, right? Because where one opportunity gets canceled out because there's a financial issue or a relativity issue, there's other opportunities that open up. So this all, this is all something that a person can learn about in a way where you don't become an ignorant victim of the problem, okay? So now, put, now let's put that aside because here's where the major issue comes from, that you're not taught this and that the news turns it into the world is going into Armageddon, right? Everything is going to completely fall apart. Yeah. And we're all going to die and we're going to starve and we're going to horrific deaths. And, you know, you can't trust the government. You can't trust this, that, or the other. They, the ideas that they plant in the mind of the public um, that are basically just for propaganda, right, to get them to do what the thing that they do because it's like the old, it's the old idea where it bleeds, it leads, right? So mm -hmm. the more horror that we can put in the news, yeah. the fear is the most stimulating principle of the, of the mind, right, as far as being controlling people's minds. You put them in fear. And they'll basically do whatever it is that you tell them to do because they're not thinking logically because they're thinking in fear. So they get this every day, every day, every day, every day. And they automatically believe no matter what they do, they can't get out of it. It's going to affect them in a bad way, which is basically what you were reading to me from the client that sent that, that question in. Like, how do I know that everything's not going to, you know, we're all going to go up in a puff of smoke because of, because of this issue? Yeah. That's a propagate that that is the that is one of those mimetic memes in the mind, you know, mind virus type ideas. It's like totally controlled the mind, so now I don't see a way out, and it's made me helpless. And I there's nothing that I can do about it. So that's where that comes from. Well, it creates victims, right? I mean, totally. you're, you're a victim of the recession when actually it's just a cycle. It's something that happens naturally, and you don't have to be a victim of the recession, right? I mean. You know, something that we did with our clients when when the pandemic first happened, this was like March of April of 2020, is we helped them see other opportunities in their business that they didn't see because they didn't have to see it. Right. right. So it was an opportunity to innovate. Most things that happen that are quote unquote negative in the in 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 the world in business are opportunities to innovate. Right. And when you can when you can put aside that I'm a victim of this, I have no control over this, and you can think about it in a different way of actually, how can I innovate through this? How can we grow through this? Like what opportunities is this creating for us that that weren't there before? You can actually be one of those people that makes money during the Great Depression, right? Because Absolutely. you're thinking about it in a different way. And you mentioned the laws. It's the law, right? It's, it is. There is for every... For every bad situation, there's an opportunity. There's a gift, right? That the law of polarity. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. The what was it? You know, like in 2000, it affected our company in 2009. We actually made more money that year than we made the year before, just because of that principle. Because we overcame that problem, it allowed us to help more people through a very specific niche problem, 
that we were able to actually do it. And it also began, it allowed us to broaden a little bit who we sold to on top of that. I remember, um, I mean, the program we ran was called Recession Rescue. And Recession, it was really yeah, about it was. teaching people how to see things, how to yep. see things differently. Yep. And, and all was, of our laser coaching programs came out of that. Yes. Yeah. It was like, you know, let us help you see the opportunity that you're not currently seeing. We know it has to be there. Yeah. Like, it has to we, be there. You're not going to convince us that the opportunity is not there. And it was the same thing. Um, it was the same thing for, for when, when the pandemic hit, like you're not going to convince us that there's no opportunity here because right. we know the truth. We know that somewhere in this, there's a huge opportunity for you that you're not seeing because you're getting mired down into all the things that are wrong about this right? and right. how you have no control and, and, you know, and, and all of that. Yeah. That's why you, you have to really take the propaganda with a grain of salt because it's mostly designed to manipulate you. It's not designed to help you in any way. So educating yourself, especially during times where it's not, where it's not all that bad, understanding what's happening allows you to do really significant changes in the way that you think, because you start, instead of looking for what's not going to work, you start looking for where can I actually solve a problem? If you remember first and fundamentally, what is the core of your business? You problem solve. All yes. businesses problem solve, right? Yes. You don't want to become the problem that somebody else has to solve. You want to solve other people's problems. Now, there's this is something that's interesting because this is also a truth that exists during good times also, not just necess necessarily a recession. You have to ask yourself the question of what what is the value system of your current client base, the people that buy from you? Like, where are they in the spectrum of what's important in their life? Because when I went, when, if I go all the way back to when I was selling life insurance, I, I was basically selling to the equivalent of myself Right. back in those days. I was looking for working class folks, young people, and I was selling like to people that I would hang out with. It would have been friends, right? Right, trying to figure a way to get them to yeah. to realize that life insurance was something that they actually needed. Young parents, people, newlyweds that got married, um, that type of thing. And the part of the problem was was that their value system was mostly based in survival. It wasn't an expansion. They were just trying to survive. So when something came along that threatened that survival, anything that was not part of the sinking ship had to go. You know, it's so life insurance was out the door. I didn't know that then. I didn't know that I had should have been, had I been conscious, had I known that recessions were something that happened every 10 years, had I understood everything that we're talking about now, I could have approached my business in life insurance much differently. I could have went after people that um, had more money, they weren't living on the edge of survival, and they bought for different value reasons right? And whether they bought or didn't buy, it was, it had nothing to do with whether or not they were surviving. It was, how is this, this thing that I'm buying actually changing my life? How does this solve a problem? What is the, you know, they're much, they're much more um, competent about the decision-making process that they do and, oh, when you get older also and you, and you mature more. But I didn't know that at the time. So I was a victim of my own ign ignorance in that moment. And of course, it there was something good out of it that I pulled out of it, but it took a long time to do that. And I think the point is right now, one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, what is the mindset of my current client base? If things start to go wrong, do they, does everything get scrapped? 
because of survival? Is that the, is that where they are in their mindset? Or do they buy from a different value perspective, right? They're, so these are people that are not, they're not sitting there trying to figure out how they can get something for nothing or, you know, sitting, bending around Sunday, cutting coupons out of a magazine or something. These are people that go out and buy things because they see the value in the thing that they buy. They understand that value. They're willing to trade money for that value. They have no issue there. That is a much different, that is a much different uh, client that a person wants to have or prospect or, 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 you know, when you're thinking about your business, understanding the value of why a person would buy from you is extremely important in how much is this going to affect your business if there's a downturn? Well, I mean, we're so across the board in the consulting industry. I mean, this isn't like a national study. This is just my experience. And I've got, I'm, I'm part of many groups um, of, of consultants. You're groupie. Coaches. <laughs> I just like people. I'm just being like, fun. Yeah. Um, and the conversation recently has been, you know, in order to really grow during a, a recession, you have to focus on the people who aren't affected by it. Which That's is the conversation you're having in the, yes, in which the is mastermind groups you're part what of. What you're saying. Yeah. Like, if you're selling a low dollar program to a beginning business owner, chances are you're going to be affected by the recession because they're not in a place where like they're going to duck and cover. They're, they're going right. to squirrel the money away. They're going to, they're, they're basically going to duck and cover. If you focus on a higher end, higher level um, client, that's not as affected by the price of cauliflower right? Right, the, right. Yeah, exactly. Then you're going to have, you're going to have less of an impact on your business. So this is really, I find that this is really a calling to really serious consultants to step into their value and really look at who they're, who they're targeting. So it's, it, it what you're saying is completely in line with what I'm seeing in the marketplace and what I'm hearing from, from fellow, you know, multimillion yes. dollar business owners. Yes. You know, you say something here that's that's pretty interesting also. This kind of just popped into my head. Not on, So you're hearing this from people that, and the, the, our listeners might know this, but I know this because we talk about it. You, you're talking about very well-established business people that you consult with and that you work with, okay? Oh, many of them have way larger businesses than us. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm like saying, they're, right? They're really, they're very successful. Yeah, they're like very, $50 million, like yeah, million yeah. Dollar business yeah. owners, yeah. So... So the reason that I'm bringing this up is because this is not their first rodeo either. They've been around the block a few times. They understand how things work. But here's something that, that some people may not realize. You have to be careful who you ask advice from because there's not everybody that knows this. And you would think to yourself, well, that can't be true. It's 100% true. There are accountants and CFOs that oh, yeah. do not understand this and they react to it in a horrific way that very often destroys the businesses that they think that they're trying to protect because they think that a recession is all about the numbers and they don't understand the propaganda in it. They don't understand the intention of people behind it. They don't understand the emotional response that goes into it. They don't necessarily, they think that that uh, opportunity is just too risky right now to do. Right. So they, they're they trained to do a job in a very specific way, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. Let's, let's not make them bad for that. That's good. But that does not mean that they know how to get through uh, be, because their financial people don't automatically think that they know how to get through a crisis because right. they don't. They don't all necessarily know how to do that. 
Right. And and here's the, this was a huge shift for me. And I heard you say this. I don't even know when it was. I think it was actually back in 08 or 09 when we were doing recession rescue. Well, if and, I'm 35, that, I had to be what, 15 then? <laughs> <laughs> um, you said, it's not like money just disappears during a recession. Yeah. Like it's the, you get this feeling during a recession that money just, there's just no money. Like nobody has any money. And that's not the case, not right? The case. There's still money in circulation. It's just being spent in different place. And I remember this experience um, in 2008 when everyone's like, oh, no one's spending any money. We're in a recession. Like, you know, anything. And we, we traveled to an event and we stayed at a really high end. I think it was like a Ritz Carlton somewhere, really high end, beautiful hotel. Yeah. And there wasn't a single empty room. And there were people walking around everywhere. And I'm thinking... Somebody didn't tell these people that there's a recession going on. Exactly. Right? Like the hotel's booked and people are spending money and they're in the restaurants. And I think it was Vegas, actually. Yeah, it was Vegas. Um, and it was just such a stark contrast to like what, what we're being told about, right. about the so recession. So here's something that's interesting about, about that comment that you're, that you're making. So this was, this was a big thing that I was telling people about consistently, 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 because we were doing a tremendous amount of business in Vegas in those days. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very lucrative for us to do business. To and, do seminars there. To do seminars yeah, we did live there. events there all the time. Yeah. But what was interesting was if the higher quality places that you would stay were completely packed, but if you went to the middle class hotels, it was sparse. Oh, like a Holiday Inn, or like a Holiday Inn, yeah. or, or even or the like lower, even the lower casino stuff, Jason. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, like yeah. the, the ones that are just—they're middle class. That's who their market is, right? They're not because yeah, they're these people are on fixed incomes, right? Like they are affected by the price of cauliflower. Exactly, exactly. Right? So that was part of the interesting thing that was so that was so wild. We're staying at this one Ritz that's basically off the strip. It was astounding. And the place is packed, right? And there's celebrities in there and, and it's there's it's vibrant and it's alive. And if you went to any of the the upper end casinos, people were at the tables and they were playing and there were, you know, we went to we went to uh, uh concerts and we went to shows and restaurants were were full. But if you went down to a little bit of the lower end stuff, not so much. So I remembered distinctly having every time I would go in in those years. Um, the guy, whoever picked me up that was going to drive me around, I would say to the person, how's, how's business? And depending on what that person's clientele was, you got a different answer. Some people would say we're freaking packed, man. Like it's, it's yeah. crazy, crazy busy. But if somebody had like, if you, for instance, if you took a car versus getting in a cab, cab driver will tell you, nah, it's not so much, yeah, not so much going on, but hire a car, totally different story, right? Totally different value perspective for these for those individuals. So the idea is that, again, what you said, the money didn't, it's not like the money went somewhere. The money shifted places. And that's very often what happens during these times. The money moves in different directions, but it always moves. Everybody is always buying. Even the people that are in survival mode, they're buying. They're still buying. It, they're still buying. It's just that they're buying different things or they may be buying a little bit less of different things or looking for the right kind of discount in order for them to buy. Right. So understanding this mentality of your client helps you make very solid decisions uh, in what it is that you're doing. Like I am still, I am a, I believe honor. I wish I, I really wish that we had the ability to reach more people during 
the 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 COVID crisis than we did. But I think we would have had to know ahead of time exactly what was going to happen in order to do that. But all these people that lost their businesses, it was absolutely not necessary for them to lose I their agree. business. I agree. Right? But they got in such fear and they were there, you know, they had handcuffs put on them about what they thought they could do. They just got paralyzed. But if if they had had somebody that could actually see past their problem and reinvent what they, they wouldn't have had to go out of business. So I want to go back to, because we got, we got just a few minutes left here. I want to go back to this original question that was posed. You know, she, she, you know, she says, I've got a team of 12, some whom are scared. I'd like to keep this light and bright. So it's one thing for you to know this, right? How do you, how do you help your team navigate? This? I think you teach them stuff. I think you teach them. If I know, like, if you, if you're. Have them listen to this podcast. Yeah, have them listen to this podcast. Do a little bit of work, understand it yourself. You could possibly bring somebody in to explain it to them, but sit down with them and say, listen, I'm going to give you some information that's going to help you navigate this, right? Because the team's probably on a fixed income, but they don't have, they don't have to be worried. They don't have to be scared. They don't have to be afraid for their job. They don't have to be affected by this in any way. They can actually, you know, if they have a little bit of savings, maybe you could help them find something where they can expand their wealth a little bit. But I think that you teach them, right? You teach anybody that's opening to listening. Unfortunately, you can't do much with people that are going to be so sucked into the news that they can't hear anything else. or they're just going to sit and argue with you, right? But the average team, that's what I would do. Ask them to come listen to our podcast. We're happy to, you know, let let them listen to what they, they think uh, or what we're saying. Happy to help anybody that needs help. But go look for people that have answers, right? Not complaints. That's the idea. And expose expose your team to it. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I think is a is a is um a downfall as many is that instead of gathering in gathering evidence of what's possible, they gather evidence of why it's not possible. Yeah. For right. Sure. So the idea is to begin gathering evidence of of how it is possible. And I mean, you and I, we just we bring in the laws, right? That's that's the truth. Like yep. there can't be something bad without a gift or an opportunity in it. Like there, it's just not possible. There has to be an upside somewhere. Yeah. And you can only see that if you're willing to not get sucked into the gloom and doom. Right. All of the, why this is going to be a terrible, a terrible thing. That doesn't mean that the recession's not happening. It is. And pr- yeah. there's inflation, there's changes in the market. There's all those things, but that doesn't mean that you have to be a victim of it. You actually have, and you always say, your greatest power is the power to choose. You have the power to choose how you're going to show up in this situation and how you're going to look at yes. your business in this, during this time. Absolutely. Knowing that in 10 years, it'll be back. So. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, it will. In some way, shape, or form. There's, right? no, there's no question it'll be back. It, ha- it has to because, because the economy is a cycle in and of itself. And that means that it has to cycle in order to stay healthy. Anything, right? Your body has to cycle to stay healthy. The business, a business has to cycle. An economy has to cycle. It has ups and downs, right? Our bodies get sick when we're exposed to too much of one thing versus another. So it's a, an attempt to rebalance. That's all, that's all uh, uh, any kind of an economic crisis is. It's an attempt to rebalance. And we, here's something that people really don't understand is we live in a self-correcting marketplace, right? Our, the, our capitalism is set up to self-correct so that 
if you just leave it alone and you don't screw with it, it will self-correct itself, right? Because what it does is, is it moves opportunity. People use that opportunity. That's what entrepreneurs do. We use yes. opportunity. We find ways to make money. We find ways to re- re-inject um, interest and capital back into the marketplace, with help, which what is what helps it become uh, healthy again. It awesome. self-corrects. I think that's a great place to end this podcast. Perfect. Let's go to Vegas. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, it was a really interesting topic. It's, it's uh, intrigued me for, for many years, and I'm always um, really happy to be able to help people navigate through something like this because this is one of the things where you don't have to know everything to have a big impact and be able to change the direction of how this is affecting you. So tell your friends, family, other business owners to listen to this. Hopefully, it'll help them, and we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to lifeisnowinc.com.